Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 40-ish. Where we ask, what is a recorder really? Yeah, this has been a long, long-standing discussion of at least three, three and a half minutes. I'd say it's about a good five now. You're being a little pessimistic on that front. Well, I got a lot of things on my mind. I'm trying to run a damn show. Right. Speaking of that, though, have you ever uh, gone onto YouTube and checked into uh, Shitty Flute? No, what's that? I just suggest you do it, and you're welcome. (laughs) Notes are taken. That's like me looking up this guy named Leo who does really amazing heavy metal covers of pretty standard songs. I'm kind of addicted to his uh, Toto covers right now, so... Well, uh, it's I mean, a thing. frankly, it's it's this dude doing covers on a recorder. Yeah. Nice. That's that that sounds like shitty flute. Anyway, welcome everybody to episode thirty-seven of Forty-ish. Uh, we're continuing our our trend of having tremendous guests, and I'm eventually going to stop saying that. But I'm I'm super I mean, excited every time we have somebody. Now it is it is it's a legit streak. But uh, before we get to our guests, let's welcome in our regular crew. Uh, we're joined once again, of course, by Mr. John Moody. Yes. Uh, Mr. Lance Aver. Hey there from North Carolina. Uh, by the way, are you guys done with the hurricane and the rain and everything? You guys are all good now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're well, I mean, we are here in Raleigh area, but right down with the coast, they're still recovering. So, gotcha. Right. Glad to hear that everything's okay. Uh, Mr. Andrew Tucker. Hello, gang, all listeners. Wonderful. And we are pleased as I, was, uh, I almost said Say pleased it. as punch. Just we are it. pleased as punch. And I'm turning uh, in whatever card requires turning in that card to welcome uh, a gentleman who we'll, we'll talk about our origin story here in a second. But uh, someone I consider as a friend, uh, I am not a peer of his. He is far beyond me on many levels. But uh, we want to welcome in Mr. Ryan Pena to Fortius. Ryan, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So Ryan has had a... Uh, a busy 24, 48-ish hours plus, but before we get into all that, and we will talk about that, uh, Ryan, will you do us a favor and give us your elevator pitch uh, as to who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, first, uh, like I said before, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me on the show, and um, I definitely put the ish in 40-ish, uh, but we can talk about that <laughs> later. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so who am I? What do I do? So I am... Um, uh, outside of work, uh, father, family of uh, two beautiful girls, six and two, uh, and my wife still likes me, so I am still married. Um, outside of my personal life uh, at work, I've been doing uh, social media as a profession for almost 10 years now. Uh, I've been working in three different organizations, helping them sort of uh, elevate their social media strategy and currently work at a awesome company that's doing some crazy, amazing, life-saving work. Um, you may have heard of them. They're called Be The Match. They're the National Marrow Donor Program. And really what they do and what I help them do is uh, we raise awareness to get more people like us to join the registry. And by joining the registry, uh, we potentially could be um, the perfect match for a patient battling blood cancers like leukemia or blood disorders like sickle cell that need a perfect match um, stem cell transplant. And uh, you're able to give a part of you that is um, naturally replenished in your body. And that part of you um, actually could save a person's life, a complete stranger's life uh, from anywhere in the world. And we, uh, in the marketing side, we raise awareness to get more people to know about it, that that's an option, um, that you don't just have to be an organ donor and 
die to save somebody. You can actually be alive and, and uh, know that you saved someone's life. So we, uh, we do that. And uh, yeah, so social media, as Jason's probably going to tell you, if he hasn't already, is a big part of my life, uh, and uh, both personally, but also professionally. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think, I like to ride my bike. Uh, if you watch me on socials, if you follow me, you'll see that I love commuting on my bike. I um, don't know much about sports, so let's not quote any sports things. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I, um, I am a, this will probably be something we'll talk about later too, but I am a, a 50, 50 split between introverted and extroverted big mm-hmm. time. So, um, that's about it. I don't know, Jason, what else, how far you want me to go down the rabbit hole, but that's all I can think of. I think that's, I think that's exceptional and I, and I appreciate that greatly. So, uh, I'll, let me lead into our origin story. So Ryan yeah. talking about social is no joke. Um, the way we met was, Social happenstance, I would go with it. Uh, the way I tell it, because uh, I've told the story many a time to show the power of Twitter, which is my primary social media modality, was I was asked by my company to go out and scout a conference uh, taking place in Anaheim, California. I think it was uh, oh, Innovations. Anaheim. Anaheim. Uh, yeah, a venue that Moody has been to several thousand times since then. Um <laughs> But what happened was I found out that I was going to this event, uh, I don't know, two weeks before it started, which is way little planning time for what I was supposed to accomplish. Right. So I hopped online, found out what the hashtag of the conference was and said, hey, I'm coming out there. I don't know anything. Anybody going to be around? Anybody fans of our company, of our software? I'd love to talk about it. And um, a couple people responded. But one of the people that responded was was Ryan, who actually had a different um uh, Twitter handle at the time, uh, because he was working for a, a different organization. And he said, Hey, yeah, well, let, let's connect. And I kind of just took it in stride with, with everybody else I was connecting with. And then, uh, either the day I was flying out there or the day prior, I get a tweet response from Ryan saying, Hey, me and a bunch of people are going to be out to dinner at this place. And I think it was either really close to the hotel or near Disney or something like that. Why don't you come out and join us? And I'm pretty extroverted. I I can talk in crowds and meet random people. So I said, I'll give it a try. And I, I show up to this restaurant and here's Ryan and a ton of people he knows. I think majority were from his organization. And they invited me in and sat me down as if I had been friends with them forever. And we had a just a wonderful, a wonderful dinner, laughing, joking, having fun. And, and since that moment, We've stayed fairly well connected, casually connected over Twitter and a little bit on Instagram, but mainly on Twitter. And I have pretty much since then followed his family adventures through changing in roles, adding to his family, getting a cool toy like a Super 73, all these cool (laughs) things that Ryan has done in his life, but all through the power of him responding to a tweet tied to a, a hashtag and, um, I'm appreciative of it. And I was, that's why I was so glad and, and privileged for to invite him on to our, to our humble little podcast here. So, um, that was exciting. Yeah. And that so was like, I think that was like, uh, Oh, like six years ago now or something like that. It was either I mean, 2013 or 2014. I'm trying yeah. to remember which one it was. I think it was 14 if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, it was um, the, I just remember it was the best day of my life, wow. Jason. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, you, you, you'll, you'll get to, you'll get to understand, Ryan. Yeah, you'll get to understand, Ryan, that, you know, they, years with Jason seem a lot longer than they really are. <laughs> I, I will simply say that flattery will get you everywhere. Right. Everywhere. I'm a cheap date. Let's go with that. So, uh, so let's start. Uh, let's start our conversation around around social media because um, you gave your elevator pitch, and we typically don't because we've been doing this for a little while. But uh, John, who, yeah. who works for uh, uh, a local company here, I don't think we've ever revealed who it was. And it's oh, up to it's you. pretty clear who I work for. Right, John also does the social media content management for. Uh, one primary company and one of their subsidiaries. Right. Um, and his social game is pretty wicked. It's pretty strong. But we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a topic that actually Ryan broached, which was the highs and lows of being social all the time. And I want to get into some other stuff that Ryan's done. Like we're going to talk about the citrus fruit of a lemon. We're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about uh, – uh, my unholy obsession with some pretty big name YouTubers that Ryan just casually meets when he goes to major cities. We're going we're to talk all about all that, but let's, I want to start with this for everybody. Um, and we'll start, we'll go right down my list, which starts with Lance. So social media, give me your number one platform that you tend to engage on and how often you feel you engage on that. And let's talk about things you actually post, nothing that gets automatically tagged when you drink beer. Lance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now he's going to have to think. Right now, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, Caveats are big things. I don't, yeah. of the of the social media ap- applications and platforms I use, I probably, it's between Facebook, um, Twitter, and Instagram, maybe, but uh, I you're don't. on Instagram. I am. Really? Yeah. Um, and I, I use I use Google Plus a lot for you know. Well, I don't really use it a lot. I don't post anything on there. I just kind of read stuff from there. But um, nobody but, uses that. I know. I, I it's it's a dying you know dying media. But the so those are the, probably the three that I use most. Um, I do have a Snapchat account too, but I don't use that uh, hardly at all. So, but my, my biggest thing is, is Twitter from most of my untapped feeds, you know, for you know, my, uh, my beer check-ins, but, um, that's, you know, but as far as outside of that posting, probably, probably Facebook, but I don't really even use that a whole lot anymore. I mean, I, I keep up with, with just, you know, friends and stuff on there, but I don't, um, and I, uh, a couple of the run clubs that I'm part of are, you know, have, they have accounts on Facebook and nowhere else. So, mm-hmm. but so I'm going to start using uh, Twitter probably a lot more because I, I just joined another fitness group that that's pretty much all they use is Twitter. So. Gotcha. Well, we're glad we're keeping you, your Twitter game strong with the the podcast efforts. Yeah, so. Better, better now. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, Moody, how about you? Uh, you know, um, I'm a big fan of MySpace. You and Justin Timberlake. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, I mean, I've got the big three of um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But for me, I use uh, Instagram a whole lot more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like the fact, too, that it's more of just sharing pictures that you can just 
either do a couple things with, or, you know, you can hashtag the hell out of it. Uh, been putting a lot more videos on there, especially when I've been in the studio. So it's, I like that one a lot more because it still keeps everything succinct. And in that, and especially in the news page, I'm not necessarily just inundated with a bunch of crap. Can we, uh, can we get a t-shirt that says hashtag the hell out of it? Hashtag the hell out of it. Yeah. I feel like that's a good shirt. Yeah. The thing is, it would have the little hashtag sign, then the hell out of it. And people would be like, what's that? I was like, that's hashtag the hell out of it. It's like hot water heater. It just doesn't play well. Uh, Ryan, how about you? What is your, of all the social media that you use, I I have a guess, but I'd love to hear it from you. What is your primary uh, usage? Uh, What's your guess? Instagram. Yeah, so that's my primary. You're right. Uh, Secondary would be be Twitter. (laughs) Uh, Third would be Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, um, like, I think it was Andrew, uh, like Andrew, I think mentioned, um, it was, uh, Snapchat. I, it's funny. I used to be really, especially just this being in part of the industry, I used to be really into Snapchat, like probably a little over a year ago, I was still very much like that was my jam as far as the create, like the create tapping into the creative side of things. But uh, audience went all the way over to Instagram and they never went back. So I, uh, I still have the app installed, but that's about as far as I go there. Gotcha. Uh, Tucker, how about you? Uh, probably like a 40, 40, 20 split between Facebook and Twitter. And then recently LinkedIn. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Which, yeah, exactly. I've had it open for a long time, but only realized that, recently uh companies that are looking for people are are doing a lot of hiring through linkedin and uh so yeah it's not flashy but um i know that you guys have accounts as well i've seen them on there and uh, you you pick up good stuff because facebook i'm getting tired of um real quick Mm -hmm. and twitter i like a lot more uh only since you guys have been on have i really fired up my account because i like the character limit and the fact that you don't have photos all over the place. I don't Instagram. I don't Snapchat. Uh, I don't have accounts for either of those because I'm not much of a picture guy. But um, yeah, that uh, I, I like Twitter because it's more of a news feed than anything else for me. Anyway. True. Yeah. True. So Ryan, let's talk about the highs and lows of now that you kind of have a sense of who who and what we use. I mean, I'm prime. I would say I'm eighty Twitter, fifteen Facebook, maybe five uh, Instagram. I, I, I go, I, I've been, I flow. And, and the biggest thing for me is I get in these stretches where I will post to death, um, pictures with me. It's, uh, what's my Instagram feed primarily grilling, a lot of grilling. grilling. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Tucker. A lot of people get to me on that. Uh, but I will go through stretches like I just did probably three or four days ago. while I will, where I will actually go into my feeds and purge every picture in there except a few select ones because okay. I just we and we talked about this with our guest on our last episode uh, Andy Losick who also we were talking a little bit about social media about even sheer numbers of Twitter followings not so much followers but like I was following thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. and, and and like Tucker said it is a news feed but it's just like a vomitous news feed of constant garbage for well, me that's, that's why you just make lists and then you, I, just you know i used lists. to do that i used to do that um but then it's kind of like uh it's kind of like getting into a particular band 
or a particular album of a band where you just kind of listen to that for a while and, and shut everything else out. At least I do. Um, I, I just pare it way down. I think my Twitter following is at about hundred right now. I just follow very, very few and get exactly what I want. So Ryan, can you talk to us a little bit about what you meant between the highs and lows uh, of being social all the time. Is it the pressure of feeling like you have to share? I mean, your stories that you do on Instagram, I think it's a good balance. You do a, a good balance between work-related things that are interesting and intimate family moments. And, and you show your kids their faces, their names are the cutest little girls in the world. I mean, they're not as cute as my kids, but I think I'm required to say that as a parent, <laughs> right? Uh, and then Disclaimer. you even do stuff that's... A, <laughs> Disclaimer. And then you do stuff that's a little a lot clickbaity like last night that I thought was just really good. I thought it was really good with your titling. So, uh, could you talk to us a little bit about where you, where you stand in the scope of highs and lows of being social pretty much all the time? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question because, uh, and this is kind of what you and I were talking about kind of outside of this podcast a while ago. Um, so what I mean by like highs and lows is it's not, you know, sort of, because I use social, these are the highs and lows. It's more of because of the awareness of me being so plugged into social media, both in a personal and professional life for so many years, I ha- I feel like I've just uh, kind of innately adopted this, this awareness to things that I see around me. Um, and it, it, t- it goes all the way from, from things that I see that are, the lows of social in professional settings and business and the lows that I see in personal lives. Uh, and then at the same time, the amazing things that happen, like meeting Jason six, five years ago, uh, probably, you know, the most memorable thing in my life outside of having my child, my children, you know, just meeting Jason, uh, was just such a, no, no, no laughter on that. Okay. Uh, so we'll insert uh, the laugh track later. (laughs) Right. Oh, good, I'm, good, good. Okay. I'm just over here tearing up a little bit. I just, I don't know yeah, what to say. It's just, oh my god! Oh. It's, just, it's so beautiful. I, I just. Oh, no, sorry. And there goes our listener. Good, yeah, good lord. Right. Yep. Lance is not will not be listening anymore. <laughs> okay. sorry, I'm sorry, Mrs. Aver. I'm really sorry. Uh, too, too late. She already right, we'll, get, we'll get deep again, you guys. <laughs> we'll get deep again. Okay. Here we go. So. So what the highs are, you know, with me personally using social, I would consider this more of, uh, I try to focus on the highs of social media because obviously, as Jason's kind of pointing out, I have this blend of what I do in my personal life and, and, and what I do in my professional life. And I really feel that because people naturally connect with people, that human approach versus connecting with brands, um, I do represent the brand that I work for in uh, a human way. So it's not just um, what I'm sharing uh, on Instagram stories or on Twitter about what's happened in the organization, but it'll blend into what I'm doing, you know, with me riding my bike or hanging out with my kids or, or just going on a trip with my wife, whatever it is. So I, I really focus on the good of social media there. Um, but, you know, on the business side, uh, I see a lot from that good kind of social strategy. I see a lot of amazing things happen. There's a lot of awareness from my network and people that are connected to my network that end up seeing my, my shares that they're engaging in and they get inspired to look into the work that I do um, and the organization I work for. And I mean, just today I got a, a, an Instagram private message from someone that commented on my story 
one of many hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people that I haven't met in person yet, connected with me through some type of uh, uh, mutual connection, was interested in what I was sharing at that time and has since followed the journey. And they were talking about, you know, hey, by the way, I got my swab kit from Be The Match the other day. I have to do it and send it back. And I mean, this was just so powerful. This happened literally earlier today. And I, I can, I never met this person. I I don't even know where they live. And the, I don't know anything about them except for what they share on their profile. And uh, and I was just so taken aback by the fact that they were inspired enough to to sign up on, on kind of my behalf. <clears throat> so, so that's the good stuff in social media. And then obviously, you know, me sharing, you know, stuff about what's going on in my life. I've made connections based on those mutual interests, whether it's cycling, whether it's being a parent, whether it's being social. Um, the negative parts of social for me, uh, the, the bad part of social is obviously from a business standpoint, I won't bore you too much, but there's a lot of organizations that just use social because they are supposed to use social, but they don't do anything that is human. They don't take any type of personalized approach. They're just talking at people and not talking with them. So that's that. But on the personal side, it's this is where I see more of an opportunity to kind of do our part as as adults that have been exposed to this long enough of, of um, you know, setting the right the right stage of how to use social effectively. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be like a science, but more of, you know, not not going into the troll life, uh, you know, not thinking that social media is the end all be all way of communicating with people. It's a tool, it's a resource, it gets us connected to build stronger relationships. But nothing ever is going to replace that moment when people like Jason walk into a, into a restaurant and meet, you know, dozens of people that he's never met before because of a, of a connection on social media. That's where it's really powerful. That's where it's really good. But I think a lot of people are taking this tool for granted, even with, even with their kids, uh, you know, giving them access to things too early and, and they don't, they don't take a moment to, you know, kind of see the real world for what it is. So I'm getting kind of deep here and there's other ways we can go into this and dig into it, but I'll kind of stop here with that as the high level overview of, sort of the thinking behind all of this. Brian, have you, have you, have you noticed something with, because I'm the only one on this podcast right now that's not a father. Um, you know, everybody else has got. Yeah, kids. but you are one bad mother, Lance. <laughs> but uh, as, as a, as a father and, you know, in your, such your connection to the social media aspect of life, do you see a, a concern with, with your kids and and how this social media is is evolving and you know in I mean do you see it as a concern for them or a a powerful tool or both and you know what would what would be your thoughts on that sorry Jason yeah I mean it is definitely definitely both I mean I um I would agree it's both so it, it's it's a powerful tool from a positive standpoint from the sense of of, uh, you know, the good that I just kind of explained, you know, um, potentially reaching an audience that, and again, both of, I mean, obviously my six-year-old, well, my two-year-old's pretty obvious. They're not obviously on social media, but my six-year-old is not either. Uh, I hear a lot of, uh, of her friends are, um, they have their favorite YouTube things that they subscribe to and all that stuff. And I, I will not like every parent has their own, you know, 
they can do whatever they want. Um, but but I'm, I'm just going to talk to the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I do have a basis based on just me thinking about all the stuff that I have access to all the time. And what I see, you know, kind of scary things happening. So some, some parents will have them, you know, they have YouTube channels that they watch all the time. Tessa doesn't really know anything about YouTube. Um, and she probably, she might learn this stuff eventually from school. That's fine. We'll have those conversations and, and, uh, we'll give her access that we think is, is safe at that point. But, but anyway, I think it's, I mean, it's inevitable. They're going to be on social media at some point. Um, I, I think I just want them, I want them to know that, um, I'm going to be a, a big part of this uh, as someone that is, you know, and I can obviously say this, uh, this is my career. This is my job. I want to make sure that, that they can use it as a, as a, an entertaining and fun and productive tool and way to communicate with their friends and like-minded people. But at the same time, they're not going to be able to just do whatever they want and uh, there's no monitoring going on. So so, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen. Probably going to be sometime in the near future with my six-year-old. Who knows? But uh, I just want to make sure that they, because um, when you open it up to get access to anyone anywhere around the world, there's, unfortunately, there's crazy people out there. And they, they've only been exposed at this point to their immediate circle of life. So their mm-hmm. local friends and family, their their local school you know, the farthest they've reached at this point has been a FaceTime with their parents or their, their grandparents. That's it. Um, so, so, you know, to open that floodgate up, we, we fortunately grew up with this stuff, you know, sort of trickling in as adulthood. You know, we, we had MySpace as we talked about earlier, and then it led into all this other stuff. So we sort of were able to evolve as it evolved but it's a beast now. And if, if you expose kids to it without any type of regulation, it's overwhelming. Uh, they, they don't know the, the, the pros and cons of it. And it's up to the adults to make sure they teach that. Cool. So I want to hit on something you, you, you kind of alluded to, and I'm going to tie you and Moody Ryan together a little bit because the majority of your professional life in the last you know, five, seven years has been, well, years longer. John's probably longer too. I'm just math, not tonight. Um, has been <laughs> Jason isn't the, no math. Not, not lately. I at least got the right episode number. That That's a, that's a positive thing. Um, when in your, in your experience, both Ryan and John, when you um, interact with people on social media, in that social media space, and then happen to have the opportunity to meet them in person or have further business dealings with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what percentage would you say um, do it quote unquote the right way in terms of being you know, transparent and real both online and in person? I, I mean, I pride myself on however you see me post or whatever I say online is exactly who I'm going to be in, in person. Uh, John, I know that for a fact with you, uh, as raw and as real and as emotional as you get about things that you love, music, art, so on, so on and so forth. If someone says, man, what a jackass, you're probably going to be kind of a jackass in person in a, in a lovely way. <laughs> so what, what I'd love to do, and we'll start with you, John, how often do you see, what's your, what's your percentage of people that are actually real in their environment? Um, as the same as on social as they are in, in person versus uh, how they are um, maybe putting up a front on social media. Um, you know, and it's interesting for mine because also in the industry I'm in, in the music industry um, that 
kind of at character persona is almost encouraged in a lot of stuff. So, but I, you know, I still find, I think, um, a pretty solid, um, I think it's a pretty high ratio of people that I, that I meet in person or even on the phone that I would count that, that first were from social media that are fairly authentic to who they are in, um, in real life. And even like a cut, there are a number of them too, that I would say that you could look on, on Instagram and things like that. And I, you know, I think now I've done it enough. It's pretty easy to figure out who's really putting something up, you know, it's, it's, and, and maybe it's some of that. I was talking with some friends about this too. Is it maybe it's that whole growing up in the Midwest thing that we can just cut through the BS, you know, like a knife. But, um, I think it's pretty easy to figure out looking at somebody's Instagram page, if they're playing a character and that's not exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then sometimes though you figure out, I was like, yeah, this person's a bumbling idiot on Instagram. And then you find out, no, that's they're They're really that stupid. <laughs> so uh, no, that makes sense. And, and you're dealing with a lot of, a lot of musicians, right? Who yeah. this is probably their public facing persona. So I wonder how much of it's calculated and how much of it is there. Right. Their actual... And I mean, some of it does have to be calculated to, to a point because, you know, that's that thing Ryan was mentioning about um, the difference between being a person and being a brand. And especially for artists and musicians, you, you do have to straddle that line between your public persona and your, you know, your public brand. How about you, Ryan? What would you say is your percentage of people that you've interacted with on social media and then had the opportunity to meet in person? Uh, how often is the persona the same or how often is it where their online persona is completely a, a facade of some sort? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with I'm with John on this. I think the majority of the time it's it's pretty on point. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I definitely I'm intentional about. I mean, I do get a lot of messages, mostly from LinkedIn with people that want to network with me um, locally um, and you know, meet for coffee or whatever. And these, these range from college students that are trying to get into marketing or social media all the way up to, you know, um, VPs that are looking to kind of revamp strategy. And so, you know, the majority of the time it's, it's spot on there. There is, there is something interesting that I'm noticing. Maybe it's, just a, a sort of a odd pattern. Maybe hopefully it's not going to be a consistent pattern, but it's been a, a couple times over the past six months where I've gotten a pretty typical outreach on LinkedIn, where it's a private message and you know, they connect with me and they say, you know, they kind of, they kind of do the right thing of, you know, talking about like why they wanted to connect, what they see about my background. That's interesting, you know, sort of sort of this uh, stroke your ego kind of thing oh, sure. versus just oh, jumping, sure. you know, jump, jumping into the hard sell, you know, whenever, whenever someone like connects and they're like, Hey, have you ever heard of this product? You know, you should try it, whatever. I just usually like, you know, see you later. I'm not going right. to, not going to give you that opportunity, but, but there's been a couple instances where people go through the right motions. They set up a time to meet with me and I don't know what happens. And these are salespeople too. Like these are seasoned salespeople. And when, when we meet, like, right from the beginning, they just start hard selling. They don't get to know me at all. They don't ask me questions about what I do. They don't really talk about what they do. They just start talking about their 
software or whatever they're trying to sell. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's shocking because here we are meeting in person and there's no personable approach to it. So, um, you know, I almost, it's almost entertaining because I just sit there and like, how long are they going to keep talking before they, you know, realize right. that they're, they're not, not interested at all. <laughs> and um, even more so now because they, they didn't really try to make a personal connection there. So that's happened a couple times, but majority, mass, vast majority of the time, it's, it's, uh, it's really what I expected. Um, if anything, I learn a little bit more about them, of course, when I meet in person, but you know, when it's someone like me, who sort of shares a, a wide blend of, of uh, personal and professional, uh, when they meet with me, there's usually a lot of talking points that they have with me because they follow me on social and they know like, you know, oh, did you bike in today? Or, or Hi, how many cups of coffee did you have ready today? <laughs> and I love that because it, it breaks the ice where they know they can just talk about a few things with me that they already know about me. Um, so that's fun. Do you, um, so this is a question for everybody since I know everybody's on it with, I have two questions. One has LinkedIn started to lose its allure as the professional Facebook where you're actually using it for connecting and, and, and companies are really starting to advertise more so on that platform or, you know, you're posting semi relevant business related posts. Has that thing jumped the shark for its original purpose? And I'd love to get everybody's feedback on the, where you would age uh, usage of the other social media platforms. For instance, we all used to be really into Facebook and now I look at it and go, eh. whereas I assumed it was a kid's thing, but, uh, my eight, eighth grader, no, they don't have, no, 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 nah. they barely, it's Snapchat and texting Probably and that's gosh. about it. Occasionally right. Instagram because I the, the to what is it? Floss or flex or, you know, whatever it is, what those hit, Hipster words. I think it's floss too. But so let's start with LinkedIn since we're all on it. Uh, Tucker, Lance, let's hear from you guys. With LinkedIn, uh, do you guys engage with it on a regular basis if you're not in job searching mode? Like, do you just happen to log into it and see what's going on? And, and do you feel like it's past the point of a professional uh, permanent resume holder as it used to be and, and it's come become more of a place for companies that are trying to do what Ryan's saying. They're trying to engage with them and, and sell a product at the same time. I'll let you go. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's better now because it used to be one of those things where uh, it was the absolute last resort to really try to get a hold of somebody when they didn't want to be found. Uh, for some reason, people would just popped up on would pop up on Lincoln because it would get a hold of your connections. Um, and I've only recently gone back to it because, to be honest, I think it's better than it was uh, because I see the kind of organizations I would want to work for out there versus just somebody uh, stating what their professional qualifications are and flashing a resume. Uh, this one, the news feed seems to be better, and you're really restricted. I'm I'm not going to go there for something social. Uh, I'm not going to see photos of what you did over the weekend. It's going to be links to professional articles, <clears throat> uh, things of that nature that you really want to dig into. So I find it better now. Uh, I don't have a lot of connections because I don't, I didn't want to open up all of my contacts to LinkedIn, but uh, it's different having gone through another career change where I had a lot of wellness and therapy links on there and I still do but if I put 
leadership and supply chain management up as skills, then it totally shifts. So it's back to Target and UPS and uh, other logistics entities that that show up more now. So to be honest, I think it's gotten better than it was in the past. And that's that's just me. Interesting. Yeah. Lance, do you do much engagement on on, on uh, LinkedIn? I I don't use it as much as I probably should, but I mean, we're, what I'm doing professionally right now is exactly what I need to be doing at this time. Um, I, I do use it for some articles and stuff that I post or that I you know, see on there. Um, I, I have posted a couple things that uh, through my through my the company I work for post a couple things onto the LinkedIn, my LinkedIn posts or my LinkedIn feed from there. Um, you know, just some articles that, uh, we have, you know, they came out for, I mean, it's work for a medical supply or medical manufacturer. Um, and so, I mean, some of the, some of the topics that come out are our professional, uh, grade articles that I'll post on LinkedIn and, you know, and they, I mean, that's, one of the social media platforms that our company is, you know, uh, doesn't have a problem with us posting on. So it's all, I'll use it to post every now and then I, I do use it to find the, the connection part of it is nice. Cause I do have a lot of friends that are in different industries and, and whatnot that um, I was just logging into my LinkedIn account to see exactly how many, how many followers or how many different people I have connected with it. Um, it's, it is a it is a neat platform, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's dying by any means. Um, I I think it it just like anything else, it's continuing to evolve. And to see it, you know, where where it was, say two years ago, I think now it's a lot more. There's a lot more news articles on it. There's a lot more um, there's a lot more research capabilities in it than there. I think it was about two years ago. You know, there's, there's, you can find a lot more about different companies, different industries, different organizations that people are part of. Cause I mean, with the amount of information that you put on your own profile, I mean, each one of those, mm-hmm. each one of those items that you put on there has a link t- to something. And so the, the amount of, the amount of interactivity that you can get from a single resume is pretty impressive to to see how much you know i mean you go to one person's resume you can click on like four 40 different things you know all all before right. you even get to their interest so it's it's pretty interesting it's yeah it's a yeah. new rabbit hole it, 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 yeah and it's <laughs> yeah. i mean that could be an unfortunate thing too but it's i think with linkedin it's a lot more it's a lot more productive i mean it's it's still a rabbit hole but it, I, I think it's it's not just clickbait stuff. It's not just, you know, here's a picture of somebody's ass or something, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot more. Hey, they work <laughs> hard for that ass. I, I often wonder, I mean, I, like Ryan, probably not as many as Ryan, I get requests all the time and I'm like, what is it about you and who we might be connected to you thinks makes you think that I would be a good connection. But anyway, um, I want to switch it up just a little bit because something pretty significant happened over the summer. Uh, for those of you uh, who are, let's see, we're on social media, watch the news, we're under a rock. How many of you were familiar with the uh, Lemons for Leukemia Challenge that kind of swept the nation this past I summer? I don't get that heard of it. <laughs> no. 
I was. Yeah, I don't remember hearing that one. Really? So, so obviously that means I spend a lot of time. So, uh, well, I can't explain it as well as the guy who was uh, immersed in it on a daily basis. Ryan, can you help us understand what uh, Lemons for Leukemia was and, and to the lengths it took you and your group? Because holy crap. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a story. Um, so, so the, the the backstory to this is uh, there was a a searching patient. He's twenty years old. His name is Chris, and he um, in October of last year, so almost a year ago, he was um, diagnosed with leukemia, and um, he he his best friend um, and him grew up together when they were when they were really little. He had leukemia when he was a little boy. Was able to fully recover live most of his um, childhood life cancer-free, but unfortunately last October it came back. And so um, his best friend quit school, came over to be with him. The doctor had given Chris a year to live unless he was able to find a perfect match through the registry uh, for a donation for transplant. So his friend Dylan um, said, you know, hey, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stay in school here. I wanna be with you. We're gonna put together this bucket list of crazy things that we're going to do together um, over this next year. Hopefully you find a perfect match, but we're not going to sit here and just wait while you have um, a life to live. And so pretty touchy stuff. Uh, And so they create this website with this bucket list and there was hundreds of things on it. It was like crazy, crazy things like um, lifting weights with the rock or um, simple, simple things that you would expect, like walking an old lady across the street. They actually did that. And the old lady was appreciative, but she was also scared out of her mind because there was cameras everywhere documenting this. So, right. uh, so, so it went from that, that level all over the place. And then a couple things that, that he also had on there was one, they wanted to start a viral challenge um, on social media. And they were kind of referring to, I want to do something like the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, but that I know we all have been familiar with from years right. ago. Um, but they want to do something that was focused on, obviously, leukemia. So so they created this challenge. It was Lemons for Leukemia. That was the hashtag. And they started this in January. And they kind of they came to be the match. You know, they came to us and said, you know, what do you guys think? And we totally were going to support it. We were going to add it to our social listening to monitor it and obviously engage in anyone that does the challenge. And so they put these instructions on their website for the challenge. And it was pretty typical, you know, like you do the challenge, you challenge three people, you tag them, you do the video and you share it on social. The, 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 the thing that didn't work well with this was that instead of their whole lemons for leukemia concept was when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So, you know, it gives you something sour, you make something positive out of it, you make something good out of it. So when life gives you cancer, leukemia, what are you going to do to make something good out of it? So that's what Lemons for Leukemia was all about. And their their instructions were to make lemonade in the most creative way possible and film it. And this is what kind of hung up the internet because it sort of made you have to like, okay, so how do I do that? Like that, that, that kind of opens it up for anything. What am I going to do? Whereas like the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, it was like you pour a bucket of ice water over your head. Everyone knew that that's what you right. did. So it was, it was kind of complicated. There For a couple months, not much was happening there. And there was a couple of people that, you know, were, were, were obviously very, very um, passionate about supporting Chris. And probably the, this group would appreciate this. There was one video that was out there where um, some guy took uh, a bunch of dynamite, put it in a tin can with some lemons and blew it up and then drank the lemon juice out of that tin can. Delicious. Um, yeah. Right. Can't imagine that was <laughs> very God. good. But 
so that was creative and you know that's fun but not everyone's going to have not going to have dynamite you know obviously for many safety reasons or whatever but uh, so what happened then uh, in February, February 20th, no, February 23rd of this year, I remember that date well. And Jason, I know you know this guy on, on the socials, but something happened uh, that really simplified the challenge. Casey Neistat, big YouTuber, mm-hmm. um, about 10 million plus subscribers. He did the challenge. He somehow heard of Chris's uh, bucket list and did the challenge, but he just bit into a lemon on, on his video and he simplified the challenge. And when he did that and he challenged three other YouTuber and influencers, that, that was the moment where I was like, okay, as an organization, we need to come behind this challenge, do our own thing. This is going to blow up because we know for sure that the people he challenged are going to do it. He's going to get a lot of lift uh, as far as driving registrations, people to join the registry because of him doing the video. And sure enough, the next day we saw, you know, several hundred people joining the registry because of his video. So we did the challenge. We put our video together again, bit into a lemon because that's what everyone was doing now. And we strategically challenged Robin Roberts with Good Morning America because Robin Roberts is a cancer survivor, leukemia survivor. She was able to get a transplant from her her sister, but she's a huge advocate of Be the Match. So we knew that. Challenged her. We challenged Love Your Melon for obvious reasons. And then we also challenged Matt Caesar with Padres because uh, he was a donor for Be The Match. So we did this, put it out there on all our channels, tagged them appropriately. And within minutes, Robin Roberts tweeted back at us. She's like, you know what? Challenge accepted. Mm -hmm. So we thought, okay, cool. She's going to do it. But we also did throw in the video. We challenged Robin Roberts and the entire Good Morning America crew because we're like, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? They just don't do it. But... So she just said that I accept a challenge. But then the next morning on Good Morning America, we didn't even know this yet. They publicly announced on national TV that the entire crew is going to do the challenge on March 1st, which was the other bucket list item we were helping them with, which was to set a world record. And our world record we agreed to set with them was the most amount of registrations in one or in 24 hour period in the Be The Match registry. So we were going to do that on behalf of Chris and help him do that. So they decided, let's let's do lemons for leukemia. Let's do it on the record-setting day, and let's make this happen for for this searching patient. So so it blew up because of that. It blew up because of YouTubers doing the challenge. I know you tagged Sarah Dici in yep. the tweet earlier today. She did the challenge. One of many influencers that further challenge other people. Um, the Rock, even though he didn't lift weights with Chris, The Rock actually did the challenge and had over 14 million people watch his video um, and mention Chris by name. Uh, I think he was in his yacht. I don't know, but it was it was awesome. And uh, Danny DeVito did the challenge. Uh, many celebrities did the challenge, but also just influencers. So it went viral for a good three solid months. Uh, to, to wrap this up, uh, we did set a world record with Good Morning America and all the virility that was going on social media with this. Uh, we blew the previous record of most amount of registrations in 24 hours out of the water. And then the best news about this was in May, we found out that Chris found his match through the registry, and now he's in recovery after getting transplanted. So it was a really cool viral challenge that not only was cool because it was yeah. viral, but it actually did help, in fact, save someone's life, That's which sweet. is pretty awesome. That's cool. It's just unbelievable that and and watching it all unfold at the speed it did because of the connections of social media and because it was 
if it, it's real, I mean, I've watched hundreds of interviews with that kid with Chris and it's, it's real. They're like not doing this for publicity. They're doing it because this friend yeah. cares about another human being. And this happened to be the platform they could use to, to share that actual right love. Right. And it's not, yeah. it's not Wendy's being funny yet snarky. It's mm-hmm. not Delta <laughs> airlines. Yes. I'm calling you out Delta airlines, uh, dealing with, uh, DMs of canceled flights and rerouting and all that stuff. It was just something that was so powerful. And and I only bring it up jokingly because uh, Ryan and I, uh, as, as we guessed and found out to be true, have the same, um, we're fan, I get, we'll go, I'll say we're fanboys of a lot of the same YouTubers yeah. and yep. you got to meet, um, well, for example, when I go to New York City, uh, I particularly uh, take time out to go find and I tried this time because but it was pouring rain because I was just there on Tuesday uh, to take a picture of the studio the building that both Casey Neistat and the aforementioned Sarah Dietschy work in just as a fan just like hey I was here I was in the area I could feel the aura um, but just to see him have the opportunity not only to meet these people but to meet them because of such an amazing cause you know, it wasn't happenstance. It was with intent. And that's what I, I like about the business side, the public persona of, of social media. Um, on, on a- yeah, it was, it was, it was fun because, uh, you know, you might've, you might've seen this tweet. Maybe you did, uh, to see this unfold, but when we knew we were going to be in New York city for, for other reasons, we were going to be there. Um, you know, this was several months after limits for leukemia. It was a thing and it kind of fizzled away. You know, we obviously targeted on Twitter Casey Neistat and Sarah Dietschy primarily because they were two of the many influencers that were based in New York. And um, uh, even though this is not a big deal to a lot of people, it was to me and Jason, you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. But Sarah responded, as, as I, I obviously, you know, mm-hmm. and she said, sure, I'm down. And then Casey, who doesn't typically at mention or respond to people, he didn't respond to me, but he did like the tweet. And then to me. That was enough. Uh, That's pretty so, big. So, yeah, it's pretty big. So, so, uh, so, yeah, we did end up getting dinner with with uh, Sarah, and it was it was framed up as uh, we want to thank you for supporting the the, the challenge and and uh, being an advocate. You you know you and, and many other influencers literally help save people's lives by by doing the challenge. And and she was she was great to talk to. She was awesome. She's just like she is, obviously, in her videos. And uh, it, it was a surreal moment, but. Uh, Definitely something that, you know, a year ago, I never would have thought I would have had an opportunity to do because mm-hmm. I never thought I'd be in a position where it's just so odd, Jason, when you think about it, you know, before I started Be The Match, I was working at a software company and there was, there was no way that I could ever tie this. And, and when Casey did the challenge, there was no pitch to Casey. We didn't pitch anything to him. It just happenstance happened where he, <laughs> he saw this somehow. And decided to do it at the end of his video. I was literally doing dishes, watching his videos like I always do. And it was like any other video was cool. I was like, oh, I wish I had his life. It's so cool. And then at the end <laughs> yep, of the video, yep, yep. he's talking about beat the match. I'm like, what is happening right now? I almost dropped the dishes. I, I uh, pooped my pants. I don't know, man. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's amazing. Well, it, it, um, it, if I can interject something too, this uh, no. Okay. Oh, well, I'm going to anyway. Because somebody that somebody that's close to that all of us here on the podcast know, obviously, except for you, Ryan, you know, is dealing with this particular disease right now, and um, 
and you know maybe listening to this podcast at one point or another but it's it's something that i mean i i thank you for what you're doing and what you've done and um you know and, and opening my eyes because i i didn't know anything about this um this stuff and i haven't learned that much stuff since i've known that this person was diagnosed with this particular disease but it's um it, you know it's something that you know uh, all these i mean all these friends on here know this person and uh know this person i think pretty well and um so i mean if there's a if there's a chance to to do something to help this person i you know i i, I, I want to do it so um i didn't know that this stuff was out there yeah. so i you know thank you for bringing yeah, it yeah no i I appreciate that, Lance. Yeah, I it's um it's it's every day it's an honor to to work for the organization to drive that awareness and and to your point, anyone listening, it it is this is this is literally the process. If you are interested in seeing if you could potentially help, whether it is someone that you know uh, or a friend's family member, or just to help somebody, you know, in this world, it's a, a kind of a powerful thing to think that. Well, there's a lot of ish going on out there. You have the opportunity to do something literally life changing, life saving for some complete stranger somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, all it takes is going to be the match.org. Uh, and you'll find really quickly that you can join online. Uh, and, and what, what I mean by joining is you spend a few minutes filling out an account, obviously it goes through kind of a, a medical sort of check and balance there and everything's free. Uh, and if you get through the registration, um, you receive a swab kit in the mail. You can swab. You basically, it's like two Q-tips. You swab the inside of your cheeks, and that's where it gets the, the DNA goodies that it needs and put it back in the kit, prepaid back to our lab here in Minneapolis. And uh, within six weeks, we process that kit, and you're officially in the registry at that point. You get a donor card. Um, and that's it. Um, you know, you're in the registry until you you age out at 61, you may never get a call. You may get a call in 10 years. Uh, it it is, there's millions of people in the registry, but it is so hard to get a perfect match. Uh, and that's why we need more people to join the registry. So, um, if you do get a call one day, you go through an outpatient procedure. Most of the time it's literally sitting in a chair at a donation center with a, uh, a needle coming out of one arm, going into a machine, getting the goodies that it needs, and then putting the rest back in your other arm and you sit and watch Netflix for a few hours. Um, right. That's it. So so I'll stop there because I know I get a little too passionate about no, this stuff. I, but, I need to know, you know did you guys, did have you marketed DNA goodies? You do that, I think you got a second <laughs> run. Be the match. Let us have your DNA goodies. That could go south yeah, yeah. really, really bad. Well, yeah, I mean, context, context is important. So, I just feel I feel a little bit more comfortable in this podcast than you know in a typical <laughs> business platform. Right. So. The, uh, the the pitch meeting. All right, we're going to start with DNA goodies. Get out, but get out. I just get out now. Get out. You you outdoor now. Go. I, I have. There's like a. Isn't there like a, a an R&B song from the nineties? It's like. Da, 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 got your goodies isn't it something like i am got your DNA goodies probably and we will find that song yeah, yeah, cool. Sierra, Sierra. there's a goodie song there is a goodie song and it's it's um it's like the 90s it's like R&B Sierra Chardonnay I think yeah 
Yeah. Should I? So, uh, Ryan, you've shared some amazing stuff with us tonight, and uh, we're getting close to time because, you know, as we're 40-ish, and we know you're not, but you're close, uh, we're tired. We get tired, and that's the way it happens. Yes, yes, um, yes. What I do want to ask you, and this is a self-serving, selfish question, we are still fledgling podcasters. We uh, we all have our own individual social media followings, uh, some stronger than others, some in different uh, realms than others. If you could offer some advice uh, for which we are not going to pay you, probably. <laughs> I mean, we probably won't. John, you want to write a check? I I'm you. writing nothing. Okay, fair enough. Um, is, have you seen or experienced any sort of growth from companies that you've worked with, whether it be at uh, your previous employer or anything like that, where uh, the right modality was utilized to spread awareness without something going viral. I mean, we, we're doing okay. We're doing this for fun, but we are doing it with the intent to grow. So if you were to sum it up in a, in a piece of advice as to what we should be doing right now, you are part of what we're doing. We're talking to amazing people and, and asking them to share and share alike if they're comfortable with it. And yeah. I mean, what else would you suggest? Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, when I think about, um, inspirational quotes, uh, in a time like this, I, I go right to Rihanna. Um, <laughs> you know, she, she had an, a great quote called work, 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 work. Um, I mean, just, blows my mind but no seriously yeah. there there is there is uh, thanks for that um there's there's definitely a lot of work that comes with with promoting any type of product or service mm -hmm. um I think the, i'm going to label i'm going to list the pluses of what you're doing here because that's really what you need to sort of focus on the pluses are what is what's going to sell so you've got something that's entertaining yeah, that's a plus that's good for social yeah, right? we're entertaining that's so good. He didn't say yeah, who was entertaining, was entertaining, Jay. Slow down a second. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm triggering the mute button on Moody. Just a second. Here and oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. But you got something that's you got something that's entertaining. You got um, you got sort of a, a niche. You know where you're, the forty-ish thing is, is totally something you can play on. Um, that's obviously a target audience right there, and um, and you're obviously using something that is is, is hot, right? I mean, it's, it's super hot right now. I mean, I literally never imagined even a year ago that I would go on a road trip and listen to podcasts for 12 hours straight. Mm -hmm. But that's literally what I did two weeks ago with my wife. And it was amazing. Uh, and it's funny to think in this super techie world with all of the media and all the stuff we have thrown at our faces at all times, that something as simple as audio is super popular now because it's just simple. It's consumable in so many different ways, commuting, buses, walking, running, whatever. So having all of those wins that, 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 are, that, that you have going for yourself, I think that's just it. So when you dissect those wins, that's where you start to build your strategy, mm -hmm. right? So obviously, you know, you got the podcast thing down, you're doing it. So that's already going to be a win. But you know, when you when you have something like forty-ish, this podcast, which is a target audience, I think it's figuring out, you know, where are where are those 
where are those communities or groups where there might be people that are in that age group, maybe talking about being in that age group and, and their lives, they probably would not only love to listen to this podcast, but they would also probably be good guests on the podcast. The other piece too is, you know, doing like what you're doing with me and others, getting people that are, you know, honored to be a guest on your show, they're naturally going to share that. And you're already on the you're already on that train. So mm-hmm. I think it's about, you know, that humble ask, not being afraid to ask for that. And also supply those people. You don't do this with me because I think you you know that I'm gonna be just fine sharing out stuff, but but make it easy for people. So if you want them to share it, you know, when you have it all packaged and you have the public link for the podcast. Make it easy. Give them literally a prepackaged tweet that you email them or DM right. them and say, here you go. You can copy and paste this or you can write whatever you want, but we would love you to share it. Hmm. Um, you know, and uh, I think the last thing I would say, I'm no podcast professional. You guys are. But um, do you do you host a podcast on all the places that podcasts can be hosted on or is it only on a select few? Nope. Uh, with the, the platform we utilize right now, which is Anchor, it does distribute it to 10 or, 10 oh, or 12 yeah. different locations. Uh, we're Perfect. exploring other options, but right now this is uh, this is working all right. All right. That's good because I am a, I'm a living proof of I went to the default. Uh, I got like um, iTunes, I got podcasts, and then I, did, I just hated the – user interface and so I, I went to Spotify because I have a Spotify right. account. Mm-hmm. So I listed my podcast on there and then we're there too. Yeah. And then recently I went back to the podcast things. I couldn't find a darn podcast in Spotify. So so um <laughs> so it's good to be in multiple places is I guess what I'm saying. Perfect. So I don't know if that's helpful, but but I mean I would just say that that's really it. It's 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 you know focusing on your wins and making sure that you're doing everything imaginable to capitalize on those wins. No, we we appreciate that very much. So, uh, Ryan, this has been exceptional. We really, really Thank appreciate the time. Uh, I'm going to publicly ask you and let you think about it or answer right now. I want to have you back. I got about seven more questions that I didn't even touch on, uh, not least of which Done. I want to talk about some of your fun toys that you like to play with because you have some nice toys. But uh, I will get with you if you want to come back. You're uh, yes. excellent. You're more than yes, welcome. Yes, I will say it on here. Yes. Perfect, perfect. So... Uh, gentlemen, I uh, want to thank you again for joining us on this 37th episode of 40-ish. So my thanks to Lance, my thanks to John, my thanks to Tucker, and of course to our guest Ryan. Uh, gentlemen, if, if I don't talk to you before, I'll, I'll catch you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you.